Welcome to Hey Hello Podcast, a space where I sit down with doctors, nurses, patients and professionals in all avenues of healthcare. We talk on topics within the space relative to them. You'll hear us chat about medical moments, personal experiences and all things in between. Welcome back to Hey Hello, your host Hannah, registered nurse within the post-anesthetic care unit, originally from New Zealand but going on seven years living in Perth. During this episode, I explore physiotherapy topics with my guest, Lex. Lex is an experienced physiotherapist and a business owner. We chat physiotherapy from both patient and health professional perspectives. Some key topics raised are accurate patient assessment, over-treatment and misdiagnosis. Together, Lex and I break down physio stigmas and the importance of taking onus. With a dry sense of humor and sarcasm and after a few contagious laughs and also quite a few retakes, Lex introduces herself. So let's jump straight in after these bloopers, of course. So Lex has driven hours today. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, should I start that again? I feel like... Yeah, if you want to, totally. Okay, that's me the question. (laughs) Um, I need to do it again! <laughs> Is it this? this? No, you're good, you're good. Start again. I'm not look at you. Start again. I'm flustering her, I'm staring at her eyes smiling and she's just getting giggly. Alexia, I am a physiotherapist and Pilates instructor. Oh, I don't look at her! I'm trying to not look! Stop it! It's you. Do you want me to look at you? It's your issue, not me! <laughs> Hey, hello. Hello. Thank you for joining today at Hey Hello Studios. No worries. Coming out on your Sunday. It's a beautiful sunny Sunday. I hope you've been enjoying this Perth sunshine. Yes, I love the sun. It's so beautiful on days like today. It kind of it makes you really grateful, I think, for mm-hmm. living in Perth. You're yeah, so lucky. I'm really lucky, especially in winter when the sun's out. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, so for the listeners, they probably don't know who Lex is, so I'm going to have her introduce herself, but I'll quickly... Um, give a little bit of an idea of where this <coughs> podcast today is going to head. Lex is a physio and she has her own business with her business partner Carly. So Carly was going to join us today but unfortunately couldn't make it. Lex and I have decided to proceed together. So hey Carly. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let Lex introduce herself and then we are just going to let this podcast flow with some really interesting content promoting patient knowledge and understanding and, and just I'm not going to touch on it too much because I think it's... We'll get into that. We'll get into that later. So firstly, Lex, thank you so much for joining me on Hey Hello today. It's so awesome to have you on. I've been wanting to have this conversation for a little while, so... Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, no, happy to be here. Have to admit, I don't really listen to podcasts, so this is a total... Yeah. You're on the, you don't listen, but you're on I don't on listen, the but mic. I'm on them. Yeah. You're on the mic. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, as Hannah mentioned, I'm a physiotherapist and a Pilates instructor, and I have my own business um, in Mount Hawthorne. So, we're just over a year now um, in business, and it's going really well. Um, so, that's called Niche Physio and Pilates. So, feel free to check us out on, on Google, on our website, um, Facebook, and Instagram as well. Um, so, a big part of what we do is I guess um, in the world of physio, like really trying to provide the best service that we can for patients. And, you know, I guess understanding as well when to refer on. I think often that's a huge misconception in the physio world where patients, I guess, are, you know, overtreated without resolution for so long. So I guess it's understanding how to do a thorough assessment, um, you know, have some differential diagnoses, and eventually, you know, trying to figure out what the root cause of an issue is and then hopefully fixing it or at least understanding how best to manage it. Um, I think on that as well, I think this is where you and Carly as business partners and with Niche are so valuable. Like I, as a health professional myself and having had, and I'm not being biased here and I don't want to discredit all physios, but I think what makes you both so valuable is you're two women who really care and you have your patients walk through the doors and you actually genuinely from a human to human perspective care about that individual and the treatment they get and you want 
them to walk out empowered. Yeah, I guess the big thing for me is I really enjoy fixing things, you know, or mm. especially if someone hasn't been able to fix it or figure out what was wrong or, um, yeah, for me it's like figuring out what the issue is and then, yeah, how to best manage it. And then understanding, like I mentioned <clears throat> before, like when to refer on. So if it isn't exactly a physio issue, you know, do we refer to a specialist for a better opinion or, you know, is it, is it more, is it not musculoskeletal in nature? Unfortunately, physio is a business and there are some physio businesses out there that um, maybe Well, I guess not even, not even physio, like it's, it's multiple, multiple, you know, parts. it could be chiro, osteo. I guess having a private practice, mm. um, there is that notion of wanting to be busy and have patients through the door and earn an income. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I guess there are there could be you know some businesses out there that maybe aren't the greatest um or at least you know are, are more about that money mindset than actually and when you fixing. say aren't the greatest you mean in terms of patient care not the greatest they're more like it's yeah more the great like, business they turn over money but in terms of the ethos I guess, and what they're yeah. doing out for their patients outcomes it's lacking i guess i tend to for whatever reason i tend to have a lot of patients that come to me once they have circled that you know the doctors mm. and the physios out there that haven't been able to to fix them so i guess it's understanding that biopsychosocial model and and hitting all areas because you know pain isn't linear and it's not easy why hello um biopsychosocial was not a word that is thrown out there very often i am going to quickly explain what this word means because it's not a word that will be familiar to some of you so the biopsychosocial model suggests that to understand a person's medical condition, it is not simply the biological factors to be considered, but also the psychological and social factors. So if we break down the word in its three parts, bio meaning physiological pathology, psycho being the thoughts, emotions and behaviours of an individual person. So it could be current beliefs, coping mechanisms and things such as fear and avoidance. And the last part of the word social, social, economical, social, environmental and cultural factors. So this could be work issues, family circumstances and even things like economics. So financial. To summarize all of that, if you're still with me, the model is basically introduced to help integrate all these factors into patient care rather than just looking at one individual component. It considers that all these factors are integrated together. OK, class dismissed. <laughs> So not all things are just a bread and butter, sprained ankle, you know, some things are a bit more complex. So Definitely. I guess it's understanding, like working as a team, you know, with the patient, figuring out what their goals are. Um, are they realistic or are they unachievable given their diagnosis? And, and I guess it's just, like I say, working with other health professionals to achieve the desired patient outcomes. Being aware of your resources and leaning into those. So mm. as an independent practitioner and having your scope of knowledge, but then knowing when it's outside your scope and when to reach out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had a patient last week who came in and he was complaining of nerve pain down his left arm. And then when I questioned him further, he was saying he also felt it on his left jaw and in his tongue. Mm -hmm. And so I'm assessing his neck and I'm thinking, okay, is it a cervical radiculopathy where the nerve exiting the spinal cord is pinched? And I kept, you know, looking for that sort of mechanical reason. Um, but the more I questioned him, the more I thought, this is not musculoskeletal in nature. It's definitely a medical, not emergency, but it's definitely warrants a medical opinion. Yeah. Um, and so whilst he wasn't short of breath, he wasn't dizzy, he didn't feel lightheaded. Mm. You know, there were other symptoms that just didn't lead, didn't make, didn't make me feel yeah. like this was, you know, a, a neck issue, put it that way. So um, I guess, yeah, I think it's just understanding, you know, not all things... There are red flags and you need to have a good subjective assessment to question question them out of a patient. And um, on that actually, assessment side of things, such a valuable part of being a physio and being not even just a physio, I think being a primary health care assessor. Can we can we call can we put you guys in that category? Yeah, I mean, look, a lot of people tend to think doctors are who you go to, but for anything musculoskeletal, mm -hmm. physios are your primary person to go to like we well, see here, this should we explore this more because yeah. a lot of people have 
perhaps heard of physios, maybe not been to a physio, maybe there's people that see a physio weekly, but some of the listeners might even not actually know what physio could offer. So yeah. can you give us a little bit of an idea? Yeah, so I guess, um, you know, it's a huge, uh, physio is a very umbrella term um, mm. as a profession. You've got physios that work in hospitals and, you know, that then has subcategories, whether it be aged care, whether it be cardiothoracics, whether it be... Um, you know, neurology, so taking care of patients after a stroke, teaching them how to walk again. And then you've got the private world of physiotherapy, which ultimately is your neck and back pain. You know, mm -hmm. it's your weekend warriors, it's hamstring injuries, it's rolled ankles, and then it's your chronic pain patients as well. Um, so I guess we sort of encase things such as vertigo, headaches, migraines, all those things I sort of mentioned. And and try to figure out, okay, what's actually happening and then what, what, what is this patient's goals? You know, if it's something as simple as left-sided neck pain, it's like, okay, what happened? How did, how did it come on? Um, you know, assessing what's, what might have caused it, if it's joint-related, muscular, et cetera. And then, um, you know, doing a treatment plan that's realistic to hopefully, yeah, get this patient back doing what they love. And if it's not better within a certain clinical time frame that's appropriate for that injury, then understanding, okay, what is there something more going on here? Do we need to get some imaging done? Do we refer back to a doctor or a specialist? And and just kind of, yeah, getting to the root issue because I'm a big believer in not over-treating something that's not getting better. And patients come to you looking for answers and they want to get better. And, you know, that's the responsibility that we have as physios to provide that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And that's challenging because you will see patients or clients that come through and you can provide the treatment but in some circumstances there must be people that you cannot actually make them there's something within the injury or whatever it is that you can only get it to a certain point and then they have to accept that whatever it is we get to has to am I correct in saying that then yeah I to... guess yeah so um absolutely like something like scoliosis for example anything that you know, in, in most cases, any sort of rotation or anything through the spine, um, it, it may just be there. And then it's about, okay, how do we manage this from getting worse, especially in obviously someone who's fully grown different in an adolescent. Um, so I guess it's understanding firstly, you know, the baseline of this patient, what were they like before the injury? What injury do they currently have? And then what is it that they're looking to get back to? So I guess in someone who, um, maybe perhaps was a above knee amputation and his goal was to get back to running you have to analyze if that's a realistic goal for them and sometimes having those conversations with patients where they believe that this is absolutely realistic given their injury or their prognosis you, you might have to sit them down and say look I don't actually think this is going to happen but we'll do everything we can but let's let's maybe reevaluate what your goals are which um, is fantastic because I think as a patient you sometimes need to know where the not necessarily the boundaries are but where the achievable realistic goals are and yeah. not to kind of um, be disheartened because it would be so disheartening as a patient to think oh you know I want to be doing ABC but really only C is the only achievable thing and we have to talk about that ABC aren't within our yeah. space of achieving anymore because of the you know the or I guess the, it's educating as well like I had um, another example is I had a patient she's a you know, diehard runner, loves running, but she's got this really arthritic knee. Mm. So I guess it's educating her on, I know you love running, but if you continue the way you're going, you're going to wear out your knee a lot quicker and you will need that knee replacement sooner in life. Or you could look at taking up bike riding, which is less load on your knee, still gives you the cardiovascular fitness, still, you know, gives you that rush of exercising and the endorphins, but maybe not as demanding on the knee and the joints. So I guess it's educating the patient correctly where they can actually say, make their own assessment of, okay, I can go hard and get a knee replacement in five years or I can preserve my knee as much as I can and give myself an extra 20 years. The way of giving, in terms of educating them on that, because then the choice is theirs. Right. You're giving them the choice now. You've got these options, you decide. Rather than just saying, you need to do this. Yeah, exactly. You're actually saying, you have these options and you're letting them advocate for themselves on what they want to do with their life and with their 
with their injury. Yeah, and explaining why is the big one. Like, why mm. can't I run? Well, this is why, you know. Um, I, I often, a lot of sessions I have with patients is just education. Yeah. Because often people, they're very quick to get their hands on patients and give them a quick rub down and then see them for the next, you know, eight weeks, twice a week. But ultimately, what's that doing for them? That It's not getting them better, you know. And I think this might be an opportunity where we can kind of talk about this a little bit more is um, healthcare practitioners providing healthcare that isn't seeing any outcome and as a patient going to someone say for physio we'll use physio for example because this is your specialty um, someone going to physio time and time again six weeks later you know they've had their session booked in every week and they're not seeing any change in their rehab they're still mm -hmm. battling their injury it's, it's you know maybe it's a movement limitation maybe it's pain <laughs> Um, what do we do in this situation? You know, as a, I think, I think I'd love to be able to provide people listening the I the option of if you're ever in the situation to kind of advocate for yourself and think, okay, this is I've been seeing this person for six weeks, but again, then we can lean into then how does a patient know? Like, how do you know that you're not getting any better? Like, this yeah. is it's such a cobweb. I mean, a question I often get answered is. Um, when can I play again? Mm. You know, when can I train again? Or it's sore when I squat, when can I squat again? So um, that all really depends on what's happening and what the issue is. So if, so this is the thing when we talk about pain, like some, some issues, you know, a rolled ankle gets better, you know, if it's a minor sprain, a couple of weeks and, and they're back on the field and they're fine. Some issues more complex, someone who's had back pain for 30 years, um, you know, a lot of the beliefs that that patient may have is that I have back pain, I've had scans, it tells me I have a degenerative spine. So the language that they then get told that their spine is degenerative or arthritic then sticks with them and they hold on to these facts that have been given by imaging. But it's really important, and this is something to do with imaging, is that when you do get a scan, not always are the findings um, a clinical presentation of a patient's pain. So, so an example of this, and it's really important to, to know this, is about 50% of the population have what's called a label tear in their hip. Oh, wow. And 50% and don't, right? Mm. Of that 50% that have a label tear, which ultimately is a tear in the cartilage of your hip joint, um, you know, it won't be symptomatic. So for example, I have no hip pain. Mm -hmm. I could go and get an MRI tomorrow and it could show that I have an arthritic hip with a labral tear, but I don't clinically have hip pain. So this patient goes and gets a scan, gets told they have an arthritic hip, but clinically they're running, they don't have pain. So the point I'm making is not always does it match the clinical presentation. So it's important that if you do choose to get scans that they actually are relevant to what you feel. You know, right-sided hip pain, yes, there's a right label tear, you do the rehab, you do the conservative management, and if it then doesn't get better within a certain time frame, then you entertain, you know, more intervention, whether that be injections or surgery. That's so interesting. Yeah, a lot of people don't understand that. So back to the patient that has 30 years of chronic back pain, you've got to analyse, okay, you know, what's the driving cause of pain? Are they depressed? You know, mental health, huge component of feeling crappy and then having physical pain. Not to say the physical pain isn't real, but if you don't feel 100% mentally, that pain cycle is perpetuated and made worse just by those, that nervous system and those pathways, you know. Every little moment of a reminder almost exacerbates it and it brings you back to that, like. Yeah, so you feel, if you're not having the greatest day, often your pain is worse. Um, you know, you have a really good day mentally and you're feeling, you know, great and top of your game and, and whatnot you might find your pains better. I often say to people, why does your neck pain feel better when you're on holidays? You know, you're not stressed, distracted. you're not, yeah, you're distracted, you're not sitting at your desk job, things get better. So um, yeah, conversely, you have a patient who's going through a divorce and is having a really hard time financially or whatever their, you know, their life isn't going the greatest. Um, and then they've got this like niggly back pain that's just not going away. So there could be that, you know, physical cause of it, but then there's all these other little components that need to be addressed. And that's where we come back to that biopsychosocial model where it's not just this is sore, poke here, fix this. It's look at the whole picture. And I feel like this is a really crucial part of providing good care to a patient is having a holistic approach. Because when a patient walks in the door and says, my knee's sore, okay, we're not just going to treat the knee. 
what are you doing when you're not having a sore knee? How did your knee get sore? What is your like A, B, C, D situation? Yeah, what brings it on? And yeah. let's make sure that none of those are causing this to be worse and how we're going to manage all of those because we can't make your knee get better if we can't manage those things that is making your knee worse. And I think the holistic approach and looking at things further than just that one presenting thing is so important. Yeah. And I also feel like, this is what I want to say, like this is where I feel you and Carly do this so beautifully. Like every patient that comes through the doors to niche, you look at them in such a big, wide, open-eyed perspective mm-hmm. of where they've come from and what they've experienced previously and, and what they're experiencing now and like how you can use all those things to direct them in the most you know helpful, supportive way to get a really good outcome. Yeah. Like I think... Um, from what I've heard from patients that have been through you guys and just um, had treatment from you, mm-hmm. you know, personally, um, it's, I think that is where you... That's our niche. That's your niche. <laughs> and I think, yeah. I, you know, I know there's other, um, there's, you know, health professionals that are all about that as well. And I think this is where I love the space that Hey Hello can provide in um, acknowledging this in mm. the healthcare world for patients to know that there is really, really, really good practitioners out there that want the good yeah. outcome for you. If yeah. you're feeling as a patient stuck and you feel like, I just, I feel like I should be better now. Like I shouldn't have this much pain anymore. Like, mm-hmm. and you're just a little bit in, on the edge. There is nothing stopping you going and seeing another physio. Your current physio doesn't know that you go and see another physio. Get another opinion. Don't even tell them what you're coming in for. Just go see them, see how they assess you, see what they say. And if it's completely different, then that might change your treatment outcome. But maybe they say the exact same thing, but they give you different tools on treatment. Yeah, different strategies. And um, yeah, no, that's it. It's just, I guess it's just listening the biggest thing I find as well is when I have a rule when I see a patient for the first time I give them two minutes so what I mean is I let them talk two minutes straight and I don't interrupt them you know I let them whatever they whatever tangent they go on whatever story they have to tell me what makes it sore what makes it better whatever it is I I give them two minutes and then I might cut them off after two minutes but I give them that two minutes to tell me Mm -hmm. because often in that two minutes the patient tells you what's wrong with them they tell you what they've been through they tell you how it happened what makes it worse or better and you know if they've been elsewhere and it's still not getting there or whatever Um, and what I find is often I don't speak for all professionals I don't speak for all doctors like obviously not yeah not saying anything like that but I guess when a lot of patients maybe see others they are very quick to just you know one in one out 20 minute 30 minute appointments and they don't give the patient enough time to explain their story and that is so important because what you gain from that first two minutes is the most valuable out of every consultation that you have with them that two minutes is the most important and a lot of doctors and other professionals out there will cut them off and ask their own questions like oh but you know what did you do or when did it start and da 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 and and then the patient's being cut off and they have lost their train of thought in their brain and they actually often miss little things that were so vital so the biggest thing for me is I give them that two minutes and I find often uh, before I even put my hands on them, I kind of already have an idea of what could be going on. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That is like my little, my little um, superpower. I think. Absolutely. <laughs> the two minute um, download. It's the two minute rule. Yeah. And as a patient, you feel like you're, whoa, this person kind of wants to know. Yeah. Like patients want to feel cared for they want to feel heard they want to feel validated like why is this or why isn't it getting better you know what's going on they want to know that they're in the hands of someone who hopefully knows what they're doing um and if they don't and they're not sure they're seeking advice from other professionals within the team as to what they think um because we don't know it all i think if you think you know it all then you actually that's where you can come into um issues before you mentioned about using your resources and that is yeah and I think patients want like it's kind of that that rule you know when you find a good hairdresser you stick with them when you find a good doctor you have them forever you know when you find a good physio they want to stay with you they don't often want to see anyone else if you've made them feel better and you've obviously built that rapport with them I think is so important that little bit of personal approach and getting to know them and their family and their friends and you know people want to feel 
trusted that they're in the hands of someone who they trust and you know um so i think that component's quite important not being too clinical at times just actually being an ear for someone as well do you find as a physio you get really frustrated when patients come through the door and they've been seeing someone for months and they've had no change to their treatment and then you see them and you're like this is what it is and then two weeks later they're different do you know i love it it it, is like it gives me a thrill i'm like no one's been able to do it and and i've fixed them you know um i don't know i just for me i get a kick out of that and as a a female in the physio industry do you find that you know i mean because you're tiny and (laughs) you're like pretty and people probably make an assumption that you're just like pretty and dumb and what can you do for young female yeah I mean I guess in some ways it's it is that, that little bit of I need to prove myself even more mm. than someone who maybe looks stronger it must or, be challenging do you know it's not for me because I know my worth and I know my I have a you know great patient you know caseload that that knows that and so I've done the work to get there and I think the biggest thing for me is just patient seeing results and feeling better and and that for me is what's important um, but the other notion is it's like the gym junkie who, you know, is really strong and can deadlift 180 kilos and then you get them doing a little Pilates exercise and they're quivering and can't handle it or they've been deadlifting wrong all this time. So it's little things like that where you win them over um, or they see my size and they're like, oh, she's little. What's she going to do? Like she, Because they probably you know, come from a physio where they've always been handled physically. Yeah. And yes, that's definitely part of it. I mean, don't get me wrong. Strong. Yeah, um, well, this is the other thing is that, you know, I might be little, but when someone's in pain, it's not hard to bring on their pain or to push on spots that are sore. A lot of it is technique and using your body weight to, you know, help with that and bed height and things like that. So yeah. I think I think the whole she's a girl, she's not that strong, well, come and see for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's cool. Yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> I think that is unfortunately... Um, I mean, this is where things can go down the rabbit hole a little bit, but definitely as, you know, females in in the industry, you do straight away kind of get, like, judged, I think. Because, I mean, physio is very much, like, in some ways a man's world too, you know, like, um, and that's just society giving that uh, perception. It's not actually, like, always the case, but unfortunately there is that little bit of stigma and there is that little bit of minority. I'm not saying that this is always the way, but it's definitely something that does come up, you know, people make a quick judgment and um, yeah yeah I guess yeah no I I think it's getting better I think that space for women and women in business and um, women as as professionals you know in 2023 you'd like to think that stigma is sort of develop you know not not developing I should say like getting better underdeveloping Um, yeah it's underdeveloping (laughs) yeah um but look the biggest thing is I let people do it do it themselves you can bring a horse to water but like they say you can't make it drink so if someone's been seeing a chiro for three years and getting their neck cracked every other week and still has neck pain you know sometimes I have people come in and they go I see a chiro and I go oh cool is that helping and they go well my neck's sore and I'm like how long have you been seeing the chiro they'll say five years and I'm like and you've been going because your neck's sore and they'll say yes and I'll say and is it better and they'll say no and then I'll just say okay well why do you still go and it's like a light bulb moment of Oh yeah, why am I still because going? Because sometimes you don't even, as a patient, you don't even think about that. You like, make the appointment, you rock you up. You go, you're, you know, your health professional's really friendly and it's great and they're, they're doing their job and you don't know any other yeah. difference in what they're doing, if it's right or wrong. You know, like But you I think it takes, they... yeah, but it takes that person to be like, you need to look in, you need to be like, are, are you better? No. Okay, well, why are you going? And they're like, oh. And also, what do you want as a patient? What, where do you want? What's your goal? What is your goal? Are you achieving that goal? Yeah. Do you need to reassess? Yeah. Are you back doing what you want to do? Are you feeling better? Like, if you're not those things, why do you spend the money and continue to go? And, you know, there, I think every professional out there has a role for certain things. Um, and I don't speak for all chiros because there's some really good ones out there. There's some fantastic chiros. Like I know right. some elite chiros. There's that whole notion. <laughs> Careful what you say. <laughs> no, there's that notion of like physio versus chiro, right? So um, there are good chiros out there. But what I don't particularly agree with is when they talk about things such as realigning your spine or readjusting you or I'm out of alignment. You know, they, that kind of language is is untrue you you aren't out of alignment if you were out of alignment you would have 
a severed spinal cord or you would be a tetraplegic in a wheelchair. Like there is no such thing as, as out of alignment or needing to be readjusted back in place. Those things are just a misconception of perhaps the language that some chiros use and then patients who know no different are like, oh my God, I'm out of alignment. I need to go. You Can know, out of alignment be just that like maybe one side stronger than the other? Could that be out of alignment? Um, sure, like yeah, muscle imbalances and things. But I think I think more so the point of like your joints are out, out of alignment. alignment. Like yeah. that doesn't that's not a thing. Like your joints are there. That they're where they need to be. Um, they might be stiff. They might be muscle imbalances. There could be nerve compression. There could be things happening. But this notion of needing to be cracked time and time again to be in alignment is false. So again, just, just these flaws in the system where patients, I mean, if I needed to see a lawyer, I know nothing about the topic. I'm paying money to see a lawyer. Mm. You expect that that professional is giving you the advice that is true and is going to help you through whatever it is you're going through. Um, And in a similar thing with physio, you see a physio, you see a chiro, you're hoping that they, you're entrusting your health in someone else's hands that they're going to give you the right answers and treatment and that isn't always the case which and is sad sometimes not that they're wanting to do wrong perhaps it's just that they lack knowledge or understanding of that specific thing and that's yeah. where you know whereas a health care professional you understand your boundaries and your limitations and you refer on to someone who has more experience within that you know particular field yeah. of whatever it is that's presenting yeah yeah like the patient that came in with left-sided um nerve pain and it's like you know and he had a few factors that were red flags and you know and obviously i hope i'm wrong i hope it is a neck issue that it was you know Mm. it's a pinched nerve but but if it's not and it's a blocked coronary artery and i saved him from having a heart attack Mm. then then i i'd rather do those steps than than not you know i would yeah i'd hate to be to to get caught up in in, in thinking so narrow, narrow-minded, um, you really need to think laterally in this profession. And yeah. I think that goes for all, um, all professions, all professions in the health yeah. industry. Is it's yeah, and you see that that um, you know narrow thinking at times. But you're right, you do. You, you it will put patients at risk. Yeah, yeah, and it's like you know I, I know a physio that was treating. You know, another patient who had back pain and it just wasn't getting better and they eventually imaged it and they had cancer in their spine. Mm. So again, it's just always at the back of your head Mm. asking the right questions. You know, if you see a patient losing weight and it's unexplained weight loss, you know, it's knowing what things aren't aren't good and, and knowing you know when to make the right choices and I think that's where again my match of a holistic approach as approach sorry as a physio yes you're there to treat musculoskeletal but you also did a four or five year degree on in health and you know all the systems and you know all the diseases and you know you know mm. you know health and chronic health you know you know these things I like to think so <laughs> you know you have some kind of basic understanding yeah. so as a physio, yes, you're treating musculoskeletal, but then, like you said, you have to also be aware of other things within. Because it's not just, you can't just have someone come in and just only know about musculoskeletal. You have to know about the whole entire human body, human function, and all the things that yeah. come into it. Maybe what, I mean, do you guys know about pharmacy and medications? Um, like, we, we understand, like, sometimes what medications might be useful, you know. Um, but again, we don't know what that patient might be on already um, mm. and those drug um, adverse effects, you know. We're not trained in that. That's yeah. more of a doctor thing. So if someone needed anti-inflammatories or they'd benefit from anti-inflammatories, I would say, look, I think you'd probably be good to get on some naprosin 1,000 milligrams of Celebrex <laughs> so or something. Like but I'll say Scott. see your GP yes. and have that conversation with them. Yeah, Okay. And then with um, condition-wise, it's more you understand different conditions and how that will affect your treatment. Say someone came in with like a specific, quite unique medical condition. Obviously, you're not going to know that just by having gone through uni. You'd have to kind of learn about that a little bit and yeah. know how to then treat that patient appropriately yeah. with whatever condition they're prevented, presented with. Maybe they've got a, you know, they're born with some genetic mm-hmm. condition because mm-hmm. that would 
that would be tough. That, that would be yeah. challenging. I've actually got an NDIS client who has a condition that's very rare. For the listeners um, that don't know what that stands for, do you mind? It's just oh my gosh, N- I always NDIS. get I always get this wrong. Or oh, NDIS. ND, yeah. So that is a national disability insurance scheme. Yeah. Um, so it's patients that essentially um, carry a disability, and there's a, it's a government body that um, provides funding for those patients. So that's awesome. Yeah. 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 So yeah, this patient has this rare condition and. Like I remember being in uni and being in a lecture and it was one slide, a couple dot points on one slide in a PowerPoint and then we just sort of moved on. And it, it, the lecturer was like, you'll probably never see this. It's so rare, but yep, it exists and then moved on. And then I saw this patient in my first year of physio outside oh, of uni wow. and I was like, oh my God. Oh, like, what's the chances? Did, yeah. you, did you have that flashback to uni? Yeah, I was like, I think it was on this slide. Like I remember being like, but what is it? Hang on, go back. And, and they're like, don't worry about it. You won't see it. And then I see it. And so, my God. you know, what do you do? You research, you Google, yeah. you know, like you do those things to, to become a full body on it, you know? Mm. Yeah, it's crazy. That's so crazy. What's the chances of that? I know. Hope that people don't think that I'm plugging your business. I've, yeah. I'm worried now. Like some of the things I've said, it sounds like I'm really. But well, I guess, what I think I guess, I'm trying to yeah. get at is trying to say um, how you guys are a good example. I'm not yeah, trying to say yeah. like, wow, you guys are oh. amazing. Cause you are. Well, but yeah, but there's others. There's, there is there's others. There's so many physios um, out there that do exactly what you and Carly do. And all I'm trying to do is highlight, highlight that. that these are valuable substance. Like it's a good, it's a good space to be in as a patient yeah. being with someone who's treating you and wanting you to have a positive outcome. Yeah. That is all that I'm getting at there. I'm not trying to say like, you guys are the best. Like, no, no yeah. it's not and we about don't want that. that. Do you it's know not what I mean? That, exactly. Like, right. Like a lot of people that we see are either referred by respected surgeons and mm. you know orthopedics and, and people that obviously within our food. And you field. guys refer onto other people, right? Like you, yeah. you're using your resources. You know yeah. when it's, you know when it's out of your scope and when things need to be reassessed. Yeah. Um, I heard a story recently from someone saying that their they had an experience where they went to a physio and the physio goes, you know what? My friend is really, really good in what you need. I'm referring you to them. So yeah. I lost a customer, customer, yeah, a, a patient. patient. Right. But I Because they it, wanted the best for them. But I did it for myself. Like mm. I'm a physio and I, you know, I was, like it's a little bit better now, but I've had a right ulnar nerve neuritis, which essentially for the listeners means that my ulnar nerve on the right side of my... Um, neck is actually pinched and it was giving me this nerve pain in my pinky now nerve nerve pain and like hands is like I know a great occupational therapist for that so I could have sat there and treated it or seen Carly or seen physios that I know but I was like no no like this is probably out of my scope I'd rather go to someone who knows more and I can be the patient I don't have to think and she can treat me because I know she is the person for the job so So it's and that's my own health and and i'll do the same for my family it's easy as a health practitioner though to go oh like this is what i think it is i'll just do what i think i know is right but sometimes we actually have to be like i'm not the professional here i don't know like when it's ourselves i think specifically look i think sometimes and it goes both ways like sometimes i'm like oh i've got this like vertigo at the moment i'm like i'll do my own there's a manoeuvre that we're taught and I'm like, I'll do it myself and try to clear it, right? And then it's been and then it's like been three weeks or four a month and I'm like, oh, it's still not going away. Like, do Mm. I need to get, you know, is it vertigo? Do I need to get bloods done and see if my iron's low? Like there's again, it's just it's knowing when maybe I should palm it to someone. Like I can't fix everything, you know? Yeah. And I think you're very passionate about making things better and like knowing what's going on to make the change. And when it comes to your own health, you're kind of just like um, well, it's the classic, like, if you're a hairdresser, you never get your hair done, you yeah. know, or like you're, a, so it's like, I'm a physio and it's, I've got neck pain, but it's like, I do nothing about it. I'm always treating everyone else. So that would be yeah. so challenging because you and Carly have your own business together and you're the only two physios there in, in your business. And then for you to be physically, you know, yeah. I don't want to like, uh, hurt, we, like injured. Yeah. Um, we just get on with it, don't we? <laughs> no, it's something. It's it's something that um, yeah needs to be looked at, and so it's just like being mindful. Like even myself, mm. even though I advocate this for my patients, like I need to sit down and be like, okay, 
I need to schedule a yoga class. I need to do this. I need to do the steps to get myself better because, you know, obviously my patients need me. So, hundred <laughs> percent. And I, I think I love where this is going now because, um, as a you know really health promotion person myself, I think it's um, really important for health professionals to give themselves time because mm. we're in an industry where we're giving to others every single day. You know, wanting the best for other people's health and. Um, being there for them and supporting them and guiding them but it's really important as a health professional to stop and maintain our own health so we can be there for our patients and it doesn't mean that we have to let it consume us and take over our you know own lives and enjoyment but having awareness of okay am I is whatever I'm doing in my personal life holding me back from being able to give my best? Yeah. If that's what you want, if you're in the space where you want to be the best for your patients, if that is how you feel professionally in your career, that you want to be that person. Yeah. You know, because not everyone right. cares that yeah. much. But I think it's just, yeah, it's you have to, you can't, like they say, you can't love someone unless yeah. you love yourself, you know. You can't give your best unless you're feeling your best. So yeah. I think it's just taking, yeah, that, that inward look on... And just being like accountable for your own your own stuff. So when to pull back and when to push more and Yeah, and balance is hard by definition, you know, it's mm. hard being an adult and fitting it all in. So I think it's just trying to find that balance. And you know, me personally being busy as a practitioner um, is 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 a, a full time job in itself, and then adding on the business aspect, you know, is a whole other full time job. And then you've got personal life and friends and family, and you know your own goals and stuff. So, yeah, it's. Um, what do you find works for you to help maintain? You know, being my healthy, <laughs> filling your cup. Like, what works in for you? Um, well, for me, going? for me, I love my own time. Mm. So I think my job is so social, and I see people all the time. And you know, I could see twenty-eight people in one day and have twenty-eight mm. different conversations. And so I'll get home, and I'm like, "Don't talk to me. <laughs> like, give me an hour." Because I just, for me, I. I guess I can be extroverted, but I'm also quite introverted. You can only um, decompress when you get home. Yeah, I just if I just have my own time, it's just it recalibrates. Like whether that's watching a TV show or if it's you know having a good long shower or whatever it is, but just having that time to then reset because otherwise I'm just busy, you know, in my brain. I see it as like the phone battery like running out, and then you just go home and you put your phone down aside from away from everything, you plug it into the wall and you leave it. Yeah. Like that's what I see that as. It's like your yeah. phone's being like, you know. Recharged. It needs to be put down and recharged. Yeah. I love just... my sleep. Um, I love my food. I love my coffee. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. those things. So important, <laughs> hey. All the good, good food and coffee, good food and, and coffee and good people around you, right? Like Good just, support network, hey? Yeah. Definitely. I think that's really important um, to have a really good, solid yeah. people that understand what you're doing in your life and how how that functions because yeah. if, if you can't understand or visualise where you're at, it's really hard to provide you the support that yeah. you need or be yeah. there for you in, in whatever way that you need. Yeah. So with the Pilates in your business, where does that, where does that add up? You're a physio, yeah. but then Pilates, that's rehab. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I guess the way we, we do things, I mean, there's Pilates is very on trend, right? But it's been around since the early 1900s and a lot of people don't know that. So it was created by a guy called Joseph Pilates. Oh, Pilates. Wow, that's so cool. And he actually did it back in the war times um, with soldiers um, on these like wooden machines with like spring tension. Oh, right. And then it's now become this phenom phenomenon. Phenomenon, um, big word. It's a big word. Yeah, so... So I guess Pilates is. Yeah. I'm just going to say it. Pilates is underrated. So underrated. If you it's, haven't tried it, try it, and then come back to me with feedback, please. Yeah, yeah. Like go and try it because it it's there's a few different realms, right? So we, I guess how we do it at Niche Physio is that we obviously are physiotherapists, so we definitely have that injury background and that physio background so when we see people in pilates like yes we're training pilates but we're also looking at movement patterns and things that we obviously are lucky enough to have that training in mm. um that sets our point of difference from your i don't want to say i should probably shouldn't say other names out there so i'll leave that out but there are other places out there that don't do it like that so I guess people need to understand that how we do it, it's tailored to you, it's specific, it's what you need. If something, if you're carrying an injury, we'll 
modify, we'll add, subtract and do what's right for you. Yeah. Um, so we kind of offer two different types of classes and we do one-on-ones as well. So whether that be like someone's just had a spinal surgery, we're looking at getting them moving again, that might start off as a one-on-one sort of rehab session. And then we'll look to get them into what we call like a clinical Pilates class. So that's where there's three people max in the session. So you're kind of semi-private going between three clients at most and you're working with them to get them where they need to be and every week we'll modify that. Yeah. Um, and then we offer like a reformer Pilates class, which is where patients are, you know, they all come in, it's a bit more social, a bit more relaxed, um, more fitnessy, and everyone does the same thing. So it's not as rehabby. Still really great, but not as, I guess, um, specific. And the, and the Pilates really complements the rehab and the kind of getting back functional strength and things. Am I yeah. correct in saying that? Yeah. So um, if someone comes in and they their goal is to deadlift 100 kilos or whatever in the gym, like that's great. Like let's pull it back. Let's get them those foundations laid. And that's something that Pilates can offer because if you're carrying an injury, it's a way that you can exercise either pain-free or pain limited because it is low load on your body and it can use different tensions and materials that can modify certain activities. So yeah, if you squat and you get back pain, there's a way you can do that on a reformer that doesn't give you pain. And it really allows you to highlight using the correct muscles as well. Like, so you'd be- Those intricate muscles. Someone who wants a deadlift, we'll use that example. They want to deadlift hundred kilos, but then you have them doing Pilates to really isolate the correct muscles to be using and allow them to feel how their body should feel in those movements. And then so when they start adding on the weight, they're not going to cause further injury because they've yeah. corrected it from the foundation. Yeah, so it's building those intrinsic muscles. And then and then if their goal is to get back into the gym, then obviously get back into the gym and we'll work towards that. Some people come in and they start with that mindset and then they're like, oh, I actually really love this. And then we see clients because you know they enjoy Pilates and they know what it's done for their body and how good they feel. So yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking I would love to hear feedback from the listeners that have been to physios that have had like had any kind of story, like a really positive outcome. Like if someone's listening, this is something that just popped in my head just now, you can relate to anything that you've been listening to. I'd love and Lex I think would enjoy to hear your story on what you've been through and how it's changed your life. Yeah, I think it'd be awesome to hear about that, their stories. Mm. Carly can't wasn't here with us today to um, have her input on things, but do you know if there's anything that she would have wanted to share? Um, she loves Pilates. She's a huge advocate for Pilates. So um, I guess I guess she talks a lot about pain and um, I guess just movement. Movement is medicine, you know. Um, I think it's just so important. Correct movement. Yeah, yeah. So like moving your body in a way that you feel empowered enough to get back to either what you love doing or at least give you something of you're carrying an injury but you can still exercise safely and get something out of it. Mm. I think that's important, Um, just not from a physical point of view but a mental point of view as well. Um, Especially if you're someone who really needs that physical side as well. Like I think that's um, important, like to feel like you can still have some movement and function and not be too stationary because I think a lot of people who are very active, that's uh, is quite challenging for them to be stationary and have an injury and be out of that, you mm-hmm. know, movement zone and that that endorphin they get. Yeah, and I think, like, as, you know, humans, we, we weren't made to sit at a computer for eight hours a day or sit in front of a TV. Like, we, we're monkeys at the end of the day, right? So, like, we used to move around Definitely. and move. <laughs> You're still a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still a monkey. So... Yeah, like that's what we're designed to do. We're not designed to sit. So like we need, like movement is key. Like it is it is just moving and finding what works for you. And if it's not Pilates and it's something else, then amazing, you know. You're a 20 minute walk with your dog in the morning. You're, you know, strolling yeah. your cafe to get your coffee. Just anything to get your body going. And yeah. even just your simple mobility stuff. Because um, mm-hmm. as you get older and you get more stationary, this is, I'm actually going to pull on some examples here from patients. So I have spoken to some beautiful older patients say like 80s 90s that are so young and functional and mobile and I always ask them what the secret is I always say to them so what like how are you 90 and you're just Mm. amazing like your your body is just doing like what my body does and I'm you know half your age (laughs) less than half your age (laughs) but how and they always say to me 
the moment you stop is the moment you stop. If you don't use it, you lose it. And they've, these older people have always said to me, keep moving. They're like, don't sit down and get old and be that classic like sitting in the chair because yeah. your body will get stiff and you seize up and they just promote gardening and walking and like Tai Chi or just like, just funk, just move, yeah. just move a little bit. I've got this 85 year old patient who comes to Pilates and she puts like my 20 year olds to shame. Like she's amazing. Yeah, so I think... Such inspiration. Yeah, like obviously no genetics and things play yeah, roles, oh, right? But, but yeah, I think it's just I think it's just finding what makes you happy and what you want to, where you want to be and, yeah. and just being just being healthy. Just That's a really key point actually, is being individualised. What do you want your life to look like? What is a happy, healthy, functional life for you? Mm-hmm. And what can you do to help support that? I think that's all that it is at the end of the day is everyone has their own. And that could be, for someone, it could be, I want to be able to walk my kids to school or I want to be able to be the best mom I can be or whatever. It's not necessarily like I want to make it to the Olympics. 100%. You know? It doesn't so, need to be huge athletic achievable goals. Right. It could just be, I want to go to the gym twice a week. I want to walk to the shop and not be breathless I want to yeah. you know yeah walk my kids to school or exactly yeah be functioning in the work day and not get tired yeah or have you know breastfeed my newborn and not get neck pain you know these are these are things that people suffer with and it's and it could be easy little fixes but maybe just go go kind of get swept under the rug and it's easy for that to happen when life gets busy there's a lot of sometimes people can get caught up on it it being like that there has to be like really big major goals like fitness goals for it to Mm -hmm. be important Mm. but I think it's it's just as important if not more important if it's helping you have a daily function daily function a pain-free content happy day-to-day life yeah that is so important yeah because it could be i can't sit and write a report for work for more than 20 minutes so it then affects their job absolutely then they're in pain it might affect their relationships so it goes a lot deeper than just this hurts you yeah. know yeah and it's just understanding that i guess like it's not yeah i think you just gotta when patients come and see you like you want to you want to really give what you can and, and make them feel better um and or at least give them the tools where they need to because it's not always us right the patient needs to lift a finger and actually do their exercises or you know be committed to wanting to get better as well some people they might come time and time again and there's this really simple stretch they need to do and their shoulder will feel better but they don't do it sometimes i'll say look come back and see me when you've done your stretch because yeah. That's How are you going to help you know, them if they're not going to help themselves? Right. So, so it's knowing as well when it's the onus isn't just on me. It's it's very much like the patient needs to be ready to commit to their recovery. Yeah, that's interesting. You said that actually because I think it's important for people to know that like they'll come and see you, but you're not just going to change everything. Like they have to put in. The well, I'm not just too. not going to. I'm not just going to give them a massage because that is not going to make it go away. Right. Put in the work a little bit. Hey? Yeah. Is there anything that you want to close this with? Anything you'd like to say to people about physio or your job or just anything you kind of want to wrap it up with on that? Or a message you want to leave people with? Uh, I don't know. I feel like that's a loaded question. Um, (laughs) I I guess just understanding your rights, advocating for what you want and what you need, and then seeing professionals out there that know what they're doing and then being aware enough to to understand that if you have a simple ankle sprain and it's not getting better or you've been going, you know, some over treating and they're coming back and they want to see you four times a week for something that really should get better in two weeks time. It's it's knowing that or at least seeking, if you don't have that gut feeling that you're not getting where you need to be and your, your goals and your, I guess, um, what you want isn't getting looked at or overseen, then it's, it's knowing when that you're, you're well within your rights to go and see someone else. Um, so yeah yeah I think it's that and I think it's just just being yeah just being aware and I guess just taking a step back from whatever management you're having and your treatment plans and just seeing if are you getting better you know is it going in the direction that you want and if it's not then you know making the necessary changes to get to where you need to be fantastic what we do actually was there anything else that you want to add um no, I, it's, oh, there probably will be when we stop talking. But I know, there always is. There always is, but I can talk for ages about this stuff. I guess just just finding, yeah, what you're passionate about and achieving what, 
yeah, trying to get there. And, and if it's not realistic, then just having those conversations with what, what might be where you need to recalibrate what you want. Yeah, and being knowing what's achievable and maintainable. Yeah, or at least making those choices as well. Like if you've been educated that, hey, you could keep running, like we spoke about that, that mad runner, you know, yeah. yep, keep running, but you probably just, you know, you're probably going to need a knee replacement in five years. If they know that and they, they want to just, you know, run the hell out of their knees and that's on them, you know, and that's fine. But then they know that they're going to wear away that cartilage and they're going to need that replacement. And if they know that, then that's a choice they've made. I always finish with three questions. Okay. <laughs> so I always like to end the episode with um, three questions. And for the listeners that do get to the end of the episodes, they'll, they'll know these questions very well now. So the first question is, what is the most common question you get asked? As a physio? As a physio. Um, I mean, we could say as not a physio yeah, as well. well. We could do both. Okay. Um, as a physio, the most common question would definitely have to be, when's it going to get better? when can I play? I'm going on a trip. Like when can I, you know, so it's when they want timeframes. Patients want to know timeframes. Sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's not so easy. Do you think as a patient, that's because you just want to know how long you have to wait in this limbo of like getting back to normality? Yeah. Like you want an answer. You want to be like, I want to know four weeks. Yep. And sometimes it's at the end of the session. Mm. Sometimes I fix them that quickly. Wow. <laughs> Sometimes it's like, look, it's six weeks of hard work. And then it's, okay, we'll look at doing this within six and 10 weeks. And by three months, you're back running or whatever. Mm. So it's just, yeah, no two patients are the same. There's no cookie cutter treatments. You know, you can't just treat patients all the same. It, that, is, that is crap. Like everyone is different. Every injury is different, you know. And, and like I say, that biopsychosocial model. So it's not just this is sore, fix me, it's, well, hang on, what are you doing about this aspect of your life? Because that's going to impact this. And I know there will be people listening that won't agree with that. Yeah, and I'll challenge them. Because if someone's overweight and they've got knee pain, if they lose five, if they lose one kilo, one kilo of weight might not sound like a a lot, but it's four kilos for your knee. You know, it's four kilos less, it's four times the weight, four joints. So... You know, one kilo might not seem like a lot, but it could make a difference on your knee. And if someone is challenged by that, I think that is where perhaps open your perspective a little bit and try and look at things from a different side of why is that challenging you on that? Yeah, yeah. With that question I just asked about what's the most common question you get asked, mm-hmm. you said as a physio, would you like to answer it that's not the physio? <laughs> uh, what is the most, I don't know, now I don't know. Nothing. Well, hang on. If I think about it long enough, I'll probably have something. But I don't know. I think we'll leave it. We'll leave it? Yeah. (laughs) Second question. Okay. If you could live this life again, no limits, zero restrictions, what career or job would you do? Nothing is... It's not about money. It's not about anything. You could do anything in the world, any career, any job. Okay. Um... Well, I can't sing, but I think if I was like a famous singer or actor, that would be pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah. Um, something more realistic. If I didn't do physio, weirdly, I love creativity and like interior design and architecture and things like that. So, yeah, who knows? That could be another career I look at down the track. That could be when your next um, venture. Yeah, when my neck gives out on me. No. <laughs> <laughs> it should not be the physio. Yeah. <laughs> um, third and final question. Uh, what is your personal pet hate? Waiting for people. Waiting? Yeah, I hate being late. Um, you know, fashionably late's not too bad, but like in a clinical setting, like I, I don't like waiting for people. I think everyone's time is valuable. So if someone makes an appointment to see you at 2.30, like I do my very best to run right on time. Um, and so, yeah, I think no matter what you do as a profession, whether you're a doctor, whether you're the janitor, I think everyone's time's just as important. Yeah. So for me, yeah, waiting is a pet hate of mine. I like, I like to be on time for patients. No, that's not, that's really cool actually, because you're right, time is valuable and why disrespect someone's time because you think your time's more important, like everyone's time is just as important, hey? Yeah. And I mean, if you're running 10 minutes late, then apologize and, and things like that, but yeah, I think just, yeah, I don't like waiting. I'm very impatient. So I like to at least, if I don't like it, then show up for my patients and not, yeah. not yeah, no double standards. Is that is that waiting just as a physio or waiting in general in life? I think waiting in general in life. You're just a bit impatient with things? Yeah. So what about waiting that you can't 
Hey, I mean, because you've got to go to your groceries after this. So I ready. mean, I mean, that's different, right? If they're just standing there, no urgency, that's then it. I'd get annoyed. Because but if they're we're working, talking about actually having right. a, a conscious It's more just an appointment as well. And, and taking yeah. advantage of that. Well, yeah. Unless, like, you know, the house burnt down or your partner had a cardiac arrest, like, what is the excuse? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, so I think that is where we're going to wrap this um, episode up with Lex today, uh, talking a bit about physio and some really important topics here. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything that we have said has, uh, you know, resonated with you in some way or you want to talk a little bit further about things, you can send me an email, heyhellopodcast.outlook.com, um, and we can chat further and... Yeah, if anyone wants to reach out to me personally, there is actually a um, inquiry where you can drop a message on our website, so www.nichephysioandpilates.com.au. So if anyone wants to reach out, feel free to drop me a message. I'd be happy to answer any questions or, um, yeah, review any cases if that needed to happen. And you can find Lex's email via her website as well. So please, if you're wanting to have further information or just anything to talk about, Flick Lex or myself an email and we will, yeah, I'll probably refer them over to you. Yeah. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, go enjoy your Sunday. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you for coming. Yeah. See ya. Bye. Hey, goodbye. Hey, goodbye.